Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here, and we will be speaking about the power of youth. You know, uh, last week, in um, response to the tragic shootings at Parkland, Florida, one of many shootings, unfortunately, of the 17 young lives taken, so one of the phenomena that arose from that was the marches and the vigils and the response from students themselves. And literally, close, they say, close to a million students from kindergartners to, to high school went out into the streets protesting violence in their schools and to do something about it. Whether you agree or don't agree with the different methods that people are proposing, some are politicizing it, some say the students are being used, but you can't deny the fact, and we can't ignore the fact, and even the touching reality when students themselves stand up and talk about their uh, experiences. So that's what we're going to be talking about because everything is divine providence and everything has deeper meaning. So when we see these events take place, it's critical for us to look at it and see what can we learn from it and apply it to our personal lives. And hence, this class is being called, I'm just pulling up the exact title, Please bear with me. <clears throat> the student anti-violence walkout is spiritual perspective on the power of youth. Okay. So, one of my favorite chapters in the book Toward a Meaningful Life is the chapter on youth because it was a very personal chapter for me. I think it touches upon something we all, no matter what age we are, it was a stage in our lives when we were young, believe it or not. And young means the youthful energy, the idealism, the fearlessness. And, um, you know, the entire future was ahead of us. It is, the way I described in the book, based on teachings, mystical teachings, teachings, Hasidic teachings, it is a time of tremendous amount of energy. But one of the interesting ironies of life is that energy at that point, because it doesn't have the direction, guidance, and the maturity and seasoning of an adult, is like scattered energy. It goes everywhere. Imagine if we'd be able to be harnessed and directed like laser beam energy. We know what a laser can do. And that's the irony. As we get older and become more seasoned and more focused, we start losing that vigor and that energy and that vitality of youth. So the question is, what exactly is this power? And how can we learn from it? How can we use it to help harness and direct young people's energy toward tremendous goals instead of mediocre ones? And overall, what does it teach us about the human condition, especially in our challenging times. From a perspective of, uh, of the mystical, spiritual perspective, I would call the psycho-spiritual perspective, bear in mind <clears throat> that all the stages in life are not just random stages. From the moment we are conceived, and through all the nine months of pregnancy, and then the young years, the young formative years as we emerge into this world and grow, to the stages of adolescence, puberty and adolescence, 
and leading into our teenage, young teens and older teens, and then finally our young adults, and then adults and older adults, are all part of a very fascinating, I would even call it evolution, a fascinating pro- progression of growth, but also one that accumulates and we can build upon each other. The sad thing is that most of us don't have any inkling of what these stages are about, and therefore most of it is squandered, to be honest. Now, I won't say there are many beautiful families, they nurture their children, schools that educate children, but, but very many, many environments and many societies don't really maximize those growing stage, stages in our lives. If you look, for example, by comparison to animal kingdom, you see everything is precise, like a clock. When the, when the, the, new, the new crocodile or a giraffe I'm just choosing randomly any uh, species, and for that same thing, same for the matter for that same matter in the vegetable world, flowers, they all have a very orderly, progressive stages where they are born, then they are nurtured. In some cases, they can immediately are ready to take on their lives. Some need the nurturing, the training, but it all is in a very orderly way, and it's never never wavers. It is only the human being that can waver from our program, so to speak, due to our free will, the ability to simply waste time and waste uh, opportunities. But if we were really to have it the best possible way, that after we are born and come into this world, we have total nurturing by healthy parents, which builds our self-confidence and builds our self-esteem and builds our courage and gives an allays and gives us the power to allay all our fears as we grow into adults, so then each stage would grow would uh, be introduced appropriately. Having finished one stage, you go to the next stage, like it is, as I said, in the other kingdoms. However, if one stage is not full, completely finished or not, it's not utilized to the fullest, what happens? You get to the next stage. You're supposed to be already ready to go and progress and mature to a new place. You never really finished the course in the previous stages. So when it comes to youth, it is one key stage in the entire process, and we'll talk about what that stage is, of course. That's the whole point of this discussion. But it's critical to know that youth, for it to really blossom, for us to really capitalize on its power, it's very important that what happened before the youth, before we became young teenagers, how are we when we were five, six, seven years old, and how are we when we were one, two, three, four years old. So what I'm submitting here is that the healthier we grow in those earlier stages, the more we can maximize and take advantage and, yes, harness the power of youth. And then, of course, youth leads us to the next stage. So when I say youth, I'm talking about basically pre, when still the, school, the later schooling years. When I say later, I mean, let's say youth will start from the early teens, 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, going into our young adult life, the early 20s. When we finish school, and usually pre-marriage. So that's a stage where we are developing from the child that we were, we were to a more mature being. It's still not completely mature, but we're, we're developing our, we're becoming independent, becoming thinking individuals. We begin to introspection. We're not a product or a, uh, a, um, a, a extension 
of our society, of I'm sorry, of our families or our schools or, our, or classmates. We're becoming to become, we, we're meant to become somewhat of an independent entity and all the frustrations, and the awkwardness and the challenges of that period in time come into play. But I said one of the most important things with youth is this energy. There's an energy. And you see it. You see that most young people want to have fun. They want some excitement. Now you could say little children also want excitement. There's plenty of energy there too. But there, because they're still children, and their scope and their perspective, their scope of activities is limited, it, it usually is satisfied through the games children play to the things that their parents provide or a school provides. It's in the teens where we begin to look at the bigger world and want to enter it, have not yet entered it, so we are beginning to develop all that energy in context of a larger world. A five-year-old doesn't know about a bigger world. He knows his little world. Now, of course, this doesn't happen in one moment in our youth. It happens as we progress. Now, in the context of Kabbalistic and mystical framework, I'll put it this way. We, we are, we, the younger years is primarily dominated by our emotions. We're emotional, impulsive creatures. You're not gonna, you cannot argue with a, a one-year-old child that's hungry or, or uh, tired and say, wait. The child, that's the child, doesn't know. Reflexively, it will cry for what it needs. A few years later, it still can be maybe reasoned with, but reason is still not a dominant factor. So basically, it's the emotional needs of the child that are dominant. You can say, in, in as age we progress in age chronologically, what's happening is we are also, our mind is beginning to expand. And I don't just mean a larger brain, and we can process information more, we can retain information, we can abstract and, and deduce and analyze. In other words, our analytical part, but there's another part of it, that the brain becomes a force in our lives, where reason, reflection, review, becomes something that becomes more important as we grow. So then we check our emotions. You want something, you don't just grab it. You don't just cry. You reason, and you start calculating what to do, what not to do, how to get what you want. Emotions are still a force, and they may be a force throughout our lives, but the mind is now checking it. What does it mean checking it? That the mind is beginning to take control, where it says, you know what, before we make a decision emotionally, Let's review, let's analyze, let's see if it's a good idea. Someone comes to you, a little child, you give a child a candy, they don't think twice. You come to an adult and offer them something, one second. What, is, what price do I have to pay for it? Is this healthy for me? Is it not? This doesn't mean we won't succumb and we get to some seduction or something that will seduce our senses. But we have the capacity now to reflect and counter anything that comes our way, make a determine an informed decision whether this emotional reaction is appropriate or not appropriate at this moment. And as we grow, that reason becomes more dominant and more dominant. Unfortunately, for, the, for many reasons, including the ones I mentioned before, that many of the earlier stages are aborted before we complete them, and for other factors, sometimes the only thing that really changes as we grow chronologically is that we have the capacity to control our emotions so you're not going to have a tantrum in the street and start kicking and screaming, even though some people do that even as adults. But we'd expect that you wouldn't do that for etiquette, for pride, for your own just uh, your own vanity. But emotionally, you can still be the child that is insulted easily, thin-skinned, um, full of fear, and so on. But that's due to the fact that it wasn't fully developed. 
So we've grown intellectually where we, can, we are smarter people. We can build businesses. But have you grown with an emotional intelligence that's guided by cognitive intelligence? Not necessarily. But that is what's meant to be. However, in the age of, stage of youth, you're really in a middle stage. It's a middle point. The emotions are now more at bay, meaning you can harness them more, and that's why we're able to have more decent and mature and mutual relationships. At the same time, the mind is not yet completely developed, so there's still a free abandon. You know, if you look at the, all the insurance rates go up after 20, go down after 25 years old for cars, because they say clearly, all tests, that the, the brain has not fully developed till around 25. So there's still a recklessness, there's a, an abandon, which has, as we'll discuss, a positive side, but it also has a negative side. And irresponsibility still exists. So you can see, if you study the young person compared, let's say, someone in their teens, a 15-year-old, compared to a 10-year-old, you see this distinction. You can reason with a 15-year-old. They may still be very passionate about many things, but there is already reason of becoming a factor. If it's maximized, it will be the key to harnessing those energies of a young person. If not, those energies will be very powerful, but they'll go in all different directions and sometimes even self-destructive um, and outlets. So this stage, so basically you can say as a human being, a soul, a spirit, is filled with unbelievable amounts and tremendous reservoirs of energy. That energy is expressed through cognitive faculties, which is reason, deduction, analysis, and so on, and emotional. Now you can say the emotions are even more powerful than the reason, but reason guiding the emotions is the key. So this energy that lies within us, this, this unbridled energy, is extremely powerful. So young people are faced with this paradox. And remember, they're not as... Apologize, there was a technical glitch. We'll can resume now. And yes, it was our mistake. 
I'll just see something. Okay. Let us continue where we left off about youth. And that is, so make sure everything's working right. Okay. We were talking about how reason and uh, the mind begins to become a factor in adult life and um, in the youth life, and how it's going to impact the energy flow, which I'm going to talk about now and continue our discussion. Again, I apologize for any of the glitches that we experienced there. So, if you're to say that a human soul, meaning the human life, is a form of energy, you can say that energy begins to flow as soon as we are conceived, right? And as we develop as a fetus through the nine months of pregnancy in the gestation period where we grow and then we finally emerge. Now we're a full-bodied entity which has energy. You can't say it's the strongest energy yet, but it's very fresh. But there's energy. That energy is still in an infantile state, and therefore it is, uh, you can say, it's more or less kept at bay if you wish. Emotions are the main driving force, and the intellect is not yet coming to play except for basic survival purposes. As the child grows into adult, it physically, into a, a teenager, I should say, it physically grows. Its intellect is growing, and therefore it's having more, more reflective and more ability to focus, more ability to concentrate, to be responsible, responsible behavior, which comes from a, a mind that is, is keeping at bay the, the unchecked emotions. And as we know, in youth probably late youth, late teens, years, is probably the highest level of energy that we have. You see in sports, for example, the athletes at their prime, a tennis player at the prime, late, early 20s, late, uh, late, late teens. And the energy flow is tremendous, both physically as well as um, in its, uh, as emotionally, and, and uh, the, basically the energy that a person exudes. As we grow a little older, as we grow older, what happens next is the seasoning comes into play so we become more experienced. That's why we can be much more productive. Productive, But who, where the real energy flow is that stage where we mature and literally, I would say, mid-20s, early 20s is when you are at your peak. What will happen after that is, as I said, maturity and experience that will harness and direct but the, 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 the emotions, but the energy flow will become weaker. Very mildly, so that's not get depressed. And over the years, it will slowly wane. Even though experience can compensate for lack of, for the energy because you simply know the way to do things and you can, you're wiser in using your resources and you're more intuitive and more shrewd and so on. But if you talk about pure energy, pure energy coming from the furnace of the soul, a young person is full of energy. And that's why you see young people can create so much havoc. And that's why you find the rebellious spirit in young people. Now, many people would have it that this, young, this, this energy is a, uh, can be destructive. Look what happened in the 60s, so much critique. Young people, 
defying the system, breaking rules, undermining established rules. And the truth is, however, that's a big mistake. And this is what I write about in the book, Youth, what I heard from my great teacher when I was a young man, and, uh, and, I, and I, this was an epiphany for me. And when he made those statements, and as I said, it's captured in Toward a Meaningful Life in the chapter on youth, where he made the statement that if, older, if, if the adults can't understand, can't help young people, they should get out of the way. But if they could, they have to learn how to appreciate that this unbridled, yes, even undisciplined energy in a young person is like fire. It's fire of the soul. And fire can change worlds. It can also consume worlds. And the key is to help guide and harness that fire, that energy, to create a spiritual revolution. And you see today in technology, look who youth are the ones rising. They're the ones that are changing so many things. They think out of the box. They're not encumbered by pre preconceived notions. So their, their weakness is their strength. The fact that they're not defined by existing social mores and rules is what allows them to create, achieve things that no one has ever achieved before. And yet there's the other side, which is, as I said, unbridled, undisciplined, and can go in many directions and can also be very destructive. But that's the key, is to understanding that energy. So when you look out and you see young people marching in the streets, and whether they're guided or misguided or someone's manipulating them is not the issue here. And just as we saw a few years ago with the Arab Spring, young people. Young people have tremendous power. But you know what? When a corrupt society, many of these young people will also be used and abused and exploited. But if you talk about the pure, a pure intention, someone can come with young people like this, you can change worlds. You can move worlds. Because the energy is so tremendous. So when you see young people, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, where is all this energy going to? And you start seeing it's going to such nonsense, to temporary pleasures. Instead of being harnessed to something that can literally create and change, move worlds, that's when you realize that we have in a society that is really directionless. And I say this with optimism and with, a good, with, with, uh, with hope, because I think if we put our minds together, you can realize and, and access that energy. So going back to the analogy of laser energy, laser energy, or fire. Fire, we can't live without fire, without warmth. But fire, unchecked, can destroy, can consume. No fire at all, we lose the, the, and the, we lose the warmth of life. We lose the, the, the marrow, the, fa- the very fabric, the very life force that gives life what means life. So you need to have the perfect balance. So when you look at youth, your own youth, your own children, or friends, or you yourself in that place, you are a tremendous power of energy. And if you've not yet been jaded by the world and distorted and corrupted, which will happen, unfortunately, unless you check it, so you have all this energy that can really be directed towards tremendous goals. Imagine if you could take the energy of young people and turn it toward humanitarian efforts, toward moral causes, toward helping people, toward fighting injustice, and yes, toward fighting violence in schools, but guided not by political agendas and not guided by money and not guided by anyone with, uh, with strings attached. How much could you achieve? Everything. Which explains why so many of the fundamental foundational systems 
are so much built on children and our, on our youth. You don't have the youth, you don't have a future. So this is the key theme that I want to address, which is the, uh, harnessing this power of youth. Now the interesting thing is, we all still remain young, forever young, in our spirit, if we allow it to be. I share a story in the in Torah Meaning for Life of a uh, rabbi who was sitting with a Fabreng and he was together with his students. And it was a very inspiring moment. So they ran out of refreshments, cake and chayim and uh, saying. So nobody wanted to leave because it was so special. And finally, the Rebbe himself, seeing that the table was empty, gets up and everyone says, where are you going? Where are you going? We'll go. He says, no, I'm just going outside the door to tell a child to bring some cake and some refreshments so we can continue our communion. Well, he walks out the door and it does not return so quickly. So they realize he went himself. When he came back, they said they were so embarrassed. They said, Rebbe, why did you go? He says, look, I saw all you adults sitting here and saw that nobody's moving. So they said, so why did you say there was a child? He says, yes, I always have a little child waiting, my inner child waiting right outside the door. Then in times of need, when everybody's so calculated and so into themselves, I go to my child and I let my child go and bring them the cake or whatever needs to be done without all the, without all the airs and, and pomposity and uh, pompousness and all the other stuff that sometimes adults suffer from. So we all have, some, was co- some coined it as the inner child, we'll call it the inner teenager, the inner youth, a youthful energy which is the energy of the soul. What happens is, however, a soul is inside of a body. And as the body ages, the soul is trapped inside this box. The box is aging. So you can get the impression that the soul is also aging. No, the soul doesn't age. The soul gets younger, actually. Experience gets younger, doesn't get older. Like a good wine, like a good vintage. So, but unfortunately, it all comes down to what you choose. If you choose to live a body-like life, then you become subject to the body's aging, erosion, and the body's deterioration. If you live a soul-centric life, so we'll call it a body-centric or soul-centric life, if you live a soul-centric life, the soul is energy. Energy does not wane. Energy, the containers that the energy is in may get wear down. But the energy does not wane. The energy is always there. But you need to do something to access it. That means you need to connect to that young part. And the way to connect is to connect to the revolutionary spirit that each of us has. Because the soul is exactly that. It's a revolutionary pioneering spirit that is ready to change worlds and has the capacity to do so. And, 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 and with the seasoning of an adult mind and collaboration with others, we can do tremendous things. But you need that focus. You need the focus. It's so easy to get distracted. I speak many times to young people. I love speaking with young people. It brings my, my own youth back to me. Because I feel like I'm just a 70-year-old, just with a few more years of experience. And speaking to them, you always think in terms, I always think in terms, how do you inspire them, ignite that fire? So I was talking to, uh, I remember, I was, I was, let me step back a moment. I remember a group, a young group, they were, I forgot what they were called, they had, they were all working for a broadcasting company. A film company, maybe not Paradise Films, Redemption Films. I don't remember the exact name, something like that. But inter- something very intriguing. They came and interviewed me. They were writing a story about hope, how about people going through difficult times in life find hope, find a light, find growth, and so on. 
And they came, they interviewed me. Fine. Then I find out who are these people. It's a bunch of young men and women. Were they some women? There was only men, I don't remember. And the producer, meaning the person who's headed it, they were all students, they're all kids that had difficult childhoods. Teens at risk. Some were thrown out of their homes. Some had no homes. Abandoned. Very difficult, painful lives. And this, like rehab, the guy that was leading it decided, you know what, let's do a project together. Let's not just fight our demons. Let's do a project together. So he opened up this broadcasting, this film company, and they're doing a film. The film was about one of those people, one of the, one of the young people who hadn't seen his father in years. The film concludes with a meeting and reunion. And I saw something, besides that the film is so moving, I saw what you can do when you harness power. Now, they had a lot, a lot of energy, but it was negative energy. Grief, a lot of anger, bitterness, resentment, and maybe even justified because they lived very difficult lives, parents that threw them out, parents that didn't care. But I saw the power that when you take that, this one became a choreographer, this one was a great videographer, this one was a writer, this one designed, and he built a team. And I saw their focus was so tremendous, and I, you know, it was obvious to me why, because they had gone through pain. And they were doing this literally as a, their own redemption, their own personal redemption. That's why I think it was redemption films. So we all have the possibility to do so, whether you have gone an easy life or you have a harder life, because it's all energy. Remember, negative energy is also energy. It's just going in the wrong direction. It's going inward and causing, it's imploding. When you really want to direct it to something. Energy is energy. You have a lot of anger, you have a lot of energy. You have a lot of resentment, there's a lot of energy. However, you have to redirect that energy toward productive goals. So let's go back to the young people. Whatever you've grown up with, no matter what came before, you know, we obviously, as I mentioned before, there's stage, earlier stages that if they're done right, our youth will be maximized. But even if they're not done right, the youth is a stage where one of the greatest gifts you can have is finding a mentor, finding someone, or like an incubator, finding common kindred spirits who have common interests. Yes, hooking up with projects, whether you like music, whether it's art, whether it's uh, film. These are the ways that we harness and we access the deep reservoir of youthful energy. I wish I was able to speak to these million students or to the students in the world and say, yes, there was a shooting, a tragic shooting in Parkland, among the others in the last few years. Young men and women, for no reason at all, with the gun down. Tremendous amount of grief for the family, for the friends. Now let's take all that energy and turn it into a positive revolution in life. Absolutely, let's make sure our schools are real sacred havens. A place where, an oasis where you can come and feel completely safe. Why should a school be a war zone? But think about all the directions and try to get people who are influenced that are not politically oriented. But that extends not just to schools, to other environments. Create a higher standard moral society. Touching everything. Another thing that youth begin, they begin exploring with their sexuality. Men and women begin to be attracted to each other. And there too lies tremendous amount of power that could also go in both directions. But in this frivolous entertainment society, relationships are also seen as that. Temporary, fun, pleasurable not seeing the context of where is this energy, what is it building. Most energy today is being built toward businesses, toward making money. 
What I'm submitting here, we need a spiritual revolution. And that's what lies in the power that each one of us has. Now, how do we begin? We begin, each one of us has our sphere of influence. We have young people we know. Remember, you see a young person, even if they're rebellious and they may be even offensive or obnoxious, there's tremendous energy that needs to be harnessed. Ignite the revolutionary spirit in that young person, and you can't imagine what can happen. That can come with love, that can come with interesting conversation, challenge, provocative. We have to challenge our young people. Challenge them. So many are bored. They're bored in school. They're bored at home. And they're looking for highs. And today with an internet, with a smartphone, there's plenty to pursue. So whoever you may be, whether you are a parent that has young people, to learn to identify, to find that common denominator that young people have and find a way to communicate instead of fighting about it. If you yourself are a young person listening to this, Find someone you can speak to. There are good people to speak to. Find someone you can speak to and share some of your dreams and some of your aspirations. Don't be ashamed. So whoever we are, we have an ability to touch this part of ourselves. And even when we get older, and older could be even 25, 30, 35, the youthful spirit within you, that, that vitality, that fire never dies. It just goes undercover because of life takes over. So you're busy with this and busy with that. Find ways to access it. Find ways to uh, spark it. How? By studying spiritual ideas. Good place to begin. Read the chapter of youth in my book, Toward a Meaningful Life. Read other books. Something that touches and gets your spirit going. Something you feel really, wow, that really is meaningful to me. Prayer, emotional connection. Being able to emotionally um, express yourself. Developing emotional intelligence. Because as I said earlier, a key to this whole thing, the harnessing, is a mind that's directing where the emotional passion should go to. Un- and undire- un- and when it's not directed, it gets scattered in all, different, in all different directions. And then finally, actions. Choose good actions. Do something. An act of, random act of goodness and kindness. Volunteer for something. Action is a tremendous channeler of energy because action brings it into tangible, concrete reality. When it's just in your thought or words and speech, it's a good beginning. But when it comes into action, there's a tremendous power because you invest in something in action, you write something, you build something. That building remains even after you're gone with all the energy that you invested in it. So building something, initiating a project, initiating it with others, there's so many ways to go. And we complement each other. Now my goal here is to get the is, is to ignite the spark. I look around, as I said, events happening in the last few weeks, and you always look and you try to find the lessons. Tremendous lesson. We're coming to Passover next week. And Passover, what is the focus? The focus is children sitting around the table. And which children? All children. All types. No one's excluded because everybody has energy. See, even when we say the wise one or the wicked one, you could say the selfless one, the selfish one. You have the simple one. You have the person, the apathetic one. All types are there. And the goal is to ignite a spark. 
What is in Hebrew, Yitziat Mitzrayim, Exodus from Egypt? To leave our boundaries. Boundaries confine our energy. It's like they bottle them up, locked up. The whole idea of Exodus of freedom is to free spirit, free your spirit. You could say that's the central theme of the entire Passover, which means transcendence, Pesach, and the entire theme of the Haggadah, which is the booklet we read during the Seder. We'll talk about this some more in our pre-Passover workshop next week, next Wednesday before Passover. But the idea is, and that's why children are such a key component, because they are our pride and joy, our most precious commodity, the young energy. Who can lead us to freedom more than some people who are not yet bound by the fetters and lives cluttered by the Mitzrayim, by the confines and dire straits of our lives. So we focus on them, and they in turn give us so much. Because when they ask the questions, and they are provocative, and they are provoked, and they provoke in return, then you have dynamic, a dynamic relationship. And that's what we need to be looking at. We need to be finding that aspect within ourselves and within all the people that come to our Seder tables. But it's a universal message for everyone. Because all of us are human beings with beating hearts, breathing lungs. We are walking, living entities. And life, by definition, is energy. The heartbeat, contract, expand. The breath, exhale and inhale. Everything about us is mobile. We are mobile creatures. We're movable, we're moving creatures. And movement means, is kol chai is the expression. Everything alive is moves. Life is moving. Even when you're sleeping, you're moving. Maybe more restricted movement, but you're moving. That's what life is about. But how much of this movement begins to become lethargic as we get trapped in the life and we start, I need to relax. I need to do nothing for a day. And the joke I always tell about this, this older Jew sitting on a bench, in a really bad mood, his friend comes over, why are you such a bad mood? He says, my wife today was so angry at me. What's new? She's Many times she's angry at you. He says, no, today was special. What happened? In the morning she went to work. She asked me, and what are you going to do today? And I told her, I'm going to do nothing. And she said, you said that yesterday, that you're going to do nothing. And I told her I wasn't finished. I wasn't finished doing nothing. As I've discussed many times, we humans have mastered a new art. It's called couch potatoes. What are you doing? Nothing. You ever hear such a thing in this world, in this universe? Is anything doing nothing? Is the sun doing nothing even for one split second? The moon? The minerals? Plants? Animal kingdom? Even your physical body is not doing nothing. Everything. If nothing else, you're breathing. Or other... But in the spirit, we're able to do nothing. Sad. We have that choice too. That means that your energy, you're letting just slide away, lose another day. Energy is there to be moved, but more than moved, harnessed, focused, direction. Because if not, yeah, you have energy. Okay, energy, I'll walk here, I'll do this, I'll do that. You focus it, worlds change. That's in essence what it says in the Kabbalistic teaching. They talk about energy and containers. And there's tremendous amount of energy. When you talk pre-symptom energy, it says it's energy that is all-encompassing. It doesn't leave room for anything. Think of it like as much as you can imagine. The most powerful surge of energy. It's infinitely more than that. Nothing in this way. But then the divine will is, let us 
silence that energy, at least on a revealed level. Let it go undercover. Let it recede. Because I want space for another entity to emerge, for the independent consciousness called, <coughs> excuse me, the human race, the human being. Okay, so this energy is kept at bay. And a type of, you could say a black space, a black hole is created, creating space for each one of us. But in that space comes, the Kabbalists explain, that result specifically, a thin ray of light, a kavachut, a line, a thread of light. That light is concentrated, it's called the kav, it has all the energy from before, the tzimtzum, pre-tzimtzum, but now it's in a thin ray, so it can weave a world. Think of it like spoon feed. But it's all hidden in this thin ray of light, all that power. <clears throat> but it is up to us now to reveal it. Think of a teacher, infinite brilliance. But for a student to appear and emerge, this teacher has to withhold transmitting all his brilliance. So what does he do? He silences himself, and then he starts spoon feeding, slow flow. One A, B, C, D. Letters make words. Words make sentences. Sentences turn into paragraphs. Paragraphs into chapters. Chapters into books. Books into volumes, into series. All of knowledge. All coming through that initial just flow. But as that flow goes, now it's commensurate to the containers of the recipient, and the containers begin to expand. As they expand, more energy enters into This is the story of our lives. As I mentioned, we're born. When we're born, the energy is very narrow flow. But then it expands. Our minds expand. Our horizons expand. As we turn into teenagers, the the energy begins to become boiling point. The hormones start working and the energy starts going, but it needs harnessing. Or else you have the shattering of containers, as the Kabbalists and mystics explain. Shattering containers, too much energy in too little containers. That's called a, a destructive form of expression of very intense energy. That is like revolution that causes destruction. It's a rebellion, but it's overwhelming. It's not in a way that we can contain it. You want to have that intense energy, but in a containable way. You don't want to diminish the energy, you just want it to be harnessed. And that comes the next step, which after the world of Toyo, which is the world of the shattering, is the repair, what we call tikkun olam, tikkun. Repair. <coughs> and what are we repairing? We're repairing the energy in order to make it commensurate, to make it tailored, customized in the containers. This is what we are intended to do. So there's tremendous energy, but it needs to be channeled. And when we channel it and expands, we ultimately can get back to, you know what? To the pre-symptom energy even. Because it all originated from there. But if it was just left unchecked, if it was left just flowing, it would destroy, it would overwhelm everything. Think of a dam. You need a dam to control the flow of the water. But then as the water flows through and you become, it can irrigate, then once you're able to manage that, you can broaden the channels, broaden the channels until you can connect to the source itself. So this, my friends, is the story in more mystical terms and how it translates in our lives is that youthful energy that always remains but it becomes more concealed. And we have to constantly look at the balance, finding the strong energy, but finding ways to contain it. Finding that tension, but then the resolution. 
And the more we're able to do that, the more balance we find in our lives. <clears throat> so, in the final analysis of this discussion, youthful energy, tremendous amount of energy. You look today, you see the news, think of that. Think of it in our own children. Think of it in the people we know. Think of it in ourselves. And when you're able to harness that, you can create tremendous power. That power can be directed in so many positive ways. Just the mere fact that we talk about it, the mere fact, I've talked to young people, they were, they were almost beyond shocked to hear that this is discussed, that this is, you know, what, what cooler than this? It's so cool, the idea that a person has such energy and is able to then harness it. It's a whole new way of looking at your life as opposed to, okay, I'm going to school and let me figure out what career I'm going to build. Very nice. But this is touching about the soul, your own very soul. So it's a great honor to always talk about soul matters. To me, it's the most gratifying thing to be able to access soul-centric thinking in a body-centric world, a material-centric world, and focus on the spirit, the spirit, which really is the soul that makes everything tick. Someone asks somebody, what's greater, the body or soul? Of course the soul. Soul is what life is about. A body is just a container. A body without a soul is a corpse, God forbid. May we live soul-centric lives. May we ignite the soul-centric elements in our own young spirits and in those around us. And may we all join these flames together. Flames join. They don't separate. They, they don't divide. They don't battle each other. They join. And may that turn into a full revolution where light will consume, light will, I should say, will dispel the, even the greatest amount of darkness. And especially in our dire age, it's more than just knowledge. It's the methodologies. It's the direction of where our moral choices are headed beyond just the tools, which are the knowledge and information that we gain. We're here every Wednesday. 8.30 p.m. is usually when I begin the class. Next week will be a special pre-Passover class. Please stay in touch. I apologize again, I apologize again for any of the glitches. If there's a problem, we may post, repost this in a way that all of it is done in one smooth flow because I think the way it is right now, there's a, a break of 10 minutes or more. Um, and, um, but yeah, it's part of technology. And I'll see you again next Wednesday. And uh, please stay in touch. Anybody wants to write to us, I should also say these are free classes. A lot of work goes into them, so we really appreciate sponsorships or dedications. It's a great opportunity to dedicate a class to a loved one, a birthday, an anniversary, graduation, or, God forbid, a yard site, the memory of a loved one. And, uh, and of course, it will help this class continue and expand its reach to more people. And we try to use all the ta channels here. I think the Facebook, something may have not worked. But the YouTube is working. Thank God we will be again together next Wednesday. And um, everyone have a very blessed and beautiful week.